From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. everybody, this is Mike Lieberman, the CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist here at Square Two. Welcome to Season Two, Episode Two. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, but we switched from our running count to a Season Two, Episode Two. So this is actually Episode 62. But going forward, we're going to be doing Season Two, Episode Two of What's On With Revenue. And today we're going to talk about the four pillars and the two supporting elements of a revenue generation system. So if you caught the show last week, and, you know, we we started to tease this out a little bit, these six really important elements to a revenue generation system. And because they're so important, we wanted to uh, go into them today in a great degree of detail with all of you so that you understand really what these six elements are. Uh, they are key to you hitting your revenue goals in 2023. And there's four specific pillars, and you've heard these from us before strategy, tactics, campaigns, and technologies. And then there's two supporting pillars, process and resources. And we'll cover all of those today with you. You need all six of these to be working in conjunction to hit your goals. And like I said, in this episode, we will go deep in them. Um, we're going to talk about uh, why you need these six elements to drive revenue, how each of them work together to help you create your system, why if even one of them is missing, your system could potentially break down, What's the best way to get these six elements orchestrated over the course of the year? Because for some of you, this might be a big lift. And then how to get organized around these six elements to get your system off the ground. So that's what we're planning on covering today. Allow me to do my typical housekeeping. If you're interested in the show, check it out on YouTube. The Square Two Marketing Channel hosts all the What's Wrong With Revenue uh, shows from season one and now season two. You can like us, you can subscribe, you can provide comments. We really appreciate that kind of comment and feedback on YouTube. So feel free to share that with us. Uh, the show is also available on the Square2 website. We have a link at the bottom called What's Wrong With Revenue. We'll click it. You can actually subscribe to the show there and we will email you the shows after they're dropped every Thursday morning. You can get them right in your inbox. And you can even leave us a question on that page too. And we have a couple of questions from the first show today that we will get to at the end of today's show so that we can make sure we answer questions from our audience. They are important to us. Again, if you want to submit questions, Eric and I'll handle them. Just go to that page, What's Wrong With Revenue, at the bottom of the Square2 website. And if you're interested in all kinds of audio and video content, Square2 Plus is Square2's free streaming service, square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. And last but not least, so many people love podcasts. I would be remiss if I didn't share that all of our shows are available on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple. You can subscribe to the podcast and get access to all of our content in an audio fashion. So we got these six really important elements that we're going to talk about today. Uh, how do you want to kick off our commentary uh, regarding this, these six important pieces of a revenue generation system? 
Funny you should ask, Mike. I've prepared a few slides for our viewers and listeners. And if you're listening, it's fine. You can go back and see the visuals. Or I'll give you two Easter eggs for this episode. One, email me, eric at square2marketing.com, E-R-I-C at square, the number two, marketing.com. And I'll uh, provide you with uh, this set of slides, the second Easter egg to be provided at the end of the show. Thank you. So let's dive right in. What I've... uh, Uh, showing on the screen now is the six pillars that Mike referenced in our opening. And the four that we've been talking about for too many years are resident there, strategy, tactics, campaigns, and technology. But the two that you'll find on this specific uh, graphic are adding to the revenue generation system. Now, to be honest, the two that we're going to introduce you to today that are a bit new are what we've been doing for almost 20 years. But in this uh, effort to help people be better at getting results through their sales and marketing, we're kind of bringing this to the forefront. So either you can do it yourself or we can help you with it. So this is a great entree. So, Mike, you want to dive right in? Um, Let's talk about why don't we? Yeah, that's great. Why don't we go through each of these individually? um, Talk about uh, we can start with process. I think that's where you like to start. And then we can uh, uh, explain what these are. There's a little more bulleted and supporting documentation here than we talked about in the first show. So why don't we just do them one at a time and go into them and uh, we'll work our way around the uh, pie chart. Sounds great. Well, for those listeners that are at entrepreneurial or mid-market companies, they might have heard of the strategic planning platform called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Super popular. Tens of thousands of companies use it to manage the growth of their company. And Square 2, our company, has beyond EOS and has really embraced it also. When you um, are involved in EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, one of the key factors is the regular meeting. And it seems kind of simple, but most companies do not have a regular weekly revenue team meeting. So let's start there. When you're talking about process, the first thing you must implement is a weekly revenue team meeting. And that revenue team meeting gets everybody together once a week to talk about how are we going to hit the number. Salespeople are involved, marketing people involved, client services people are involved for cross-sell and upsells, and everybody's kind of pulling on the rope in the same direction in order to start to do the things necessary to get to that process number. So when you have this weekly meeting that is the same time, same day, same people every week, over the 52 times that you meet over the course of the year, you start to really make some great progress and most importantly, break open some of the problems that most companies have when they're trying to get results through their sales and marketing efforts. If you go to the next slide, you'll see that you need like a coach, a facilitator, a teacher, someone to moderate the meeting. They're driving that meeting and they're making sure that everybody in attendance is following the same agenda every single week, which is a proven process to make sure that you keep getting the issues out on the table that you need to solve to get to the results that you're looking for. So that's the weekly meeting. Mike, why don't you tell them about the monthly meeting, the 30-day sprint planning? Yeah, it's a really important component of process because there are always so many things that need to get done and always so so many, uh, a limited amount of resources. So what we do in this monthly sprint planning meeting is basically agree, here are the top priorities that need to get done in the month that we're planning for. And and typically this planning meeting would be, it's, you know, it's January, 
13th, you know, we might start looking at February next week and planning for February. So in the current month, you're working on the upcoming month. So here's what we've agreed we're going to do. We have this list of tasks and list of activities and list of things that we're going to accomplish uh, during the upcoming month. And the team is all involved. As Eric said, this is a cross-functional team for everyone that has uh, impact on revenue. They're all agreeing that this is what we can get done in the upcoming month. And they're basically locking it down. This, this concept of sprint planning is from uh, the agile methodology, which we use to run square two with the way we run client engagements. And that's uh, borrowed from the software industry where they agree to a set of software features. Everyone's uh, signs off on it. And then they deliver those features during that uh, sprint. So we do the same thing here. And we're going to, uh, we, we typically teach clients who are running RGS to do something similar Everyone is in agreement. Everyone knows who's a, uh, a, uh, responsible and accountable. Everybody knows what the timing is associated with it. And this keeps everyone focused for the entire month, working on the most important tasks and projects that need to get done in order to move the revenue ball forward. You know, your conversation about prioritization is very interesting. Mike, how many clients have we had over the past 20 years that have had an unlimited marketing budget? Uh, that would be zero. Of course. And because our listeners today also do not have an unlimited marketing budget, that's where you have to horse trade a little bit in the 30-day sprint planning meeting about what could we do? What do we have the resources? What's in the budget? And then really prioritize the three or four things that you can get done that month that'll really move the needle when it comes to results. The quarterly planning meeting is not so much a revenue team meeting, but it's an alignment meeting, meaning that your company has certain initiatives that they're doing, and every quarter you should be focused on rocks, and rocks are just the word that we use for the initiatives that we want to accomplish over a 13-week or one-quarter sprint. We want to use that quarterly planning meeting to understand what's coming up in the company so that the sales and marketing efforts can go to support that. Quick example, we have a client that owns multiple um uh, therapy centers. And they said, well, we just signed a lease to open up a new therapy center on June 1st. Great. Thanks for letting us know about the company initiative. Now the revenue team can work to make sure that's a smashing success at the grand opening. So that's how you want to align your uh, strategic initiatives for the entire company with what the revenue team is working on. And then finally, you got to mix in a little software. We like the package called 90.io. It's basically a framework to keep all of this organized and run the meeting. The essence of the RGS system is to have that weekly revenue team meeting. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, no, these guys are telling me to have another meeting, let me tell you, give it a try, bring everybody together for 90 minutes on a set agenda, on a set day, at a set time, and you will start to really make some progress in getting things done necessary to drive revenue. You have the same day, same time, same agenda. And here on this deck, if you requested from me at eric at square2marketing.com, there's even a little link to a video that'll show you how to compartmentalize all these things that come up um, uh, over the course of the uh, week that you can put into their own little buckets and compartmentalize. Real quick, the meeting has a very, very specific agenda. You segue in the first five minutes, a little good news, so we get our mindset about what's going on. We review our scorecard, and if anything is below par or out of whack, we drop it down into an issue and talk about it uh, uh, later, as you'll see. 
We look at the goals that we have for the quarter, make sure that we're on target. If anything's not on target, drop it down into an issue. We look at the opportunity to review. So the sales team has an opportunity to get help from people on the team that might need to close a deal or move something forward. We look at our to-do list. To-do lists are typically simple tasks that everybody agrees to complete over the course of the week. I'll do this, you do that, and I'll meet you next week at the meeting. And then the meat of the meeting, as you can see, is a full 60 out of the 90 minutes is called IDS, Identify, Discuss, and Solve. Mike, we're just not getting the results on our Google campaign. Let's talk about that. And over 10 or 20 minutes, we're coming up with ideas how we can improve it. Let's change the piece of content. Let's focus on a different target market. Let's increase or decrease our budget and play around with those things. And those ideas set our to-dos for the next week. Finally, you conclude the meeting and give it a rating. The whole goal is to have a 10 out of 10 meeting that everybody feels was super productive. And that rating gives us a little bit of a data source to see how we're doing. Once again, this agenda is very similar to what you find in EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System. So we got to send them a little bit of uh, thanks uh, uh, for their efforts as well. Anything yeah, to add If there, I could Mark? give a little color commentary to this. So I think one of the major advantages of this approach is the connection between the scorecard, um, the goals and the opportunities and the to-do list and, and the IDS session. So, you know, when you're setting a scorecard and you have specific measurables that you're going towards and you're reviewing them in this meeting, right away, if any of those are off track, they get identified and discussed. That really prevents uh, no more than six or seven days before there's some attention to something that might not be working as expected, which is really different than a lot of our situations that we've come into when we're working with clients is they've had things that have not been attended to for months and in some cases even longer. So that's one of the nice connections between the data and the scorecard and then the team that is actually executing the to-dos and doing the um, identify, discuss, and solve exercises around things that might not be working as expected. Great point. Great point. Because that's what we want. We want to attack things, break them open, and move forward. And that's how we get the results that we're looking for. So there's a whole bunch of RGS tools that supplement or adjacent to this program, playbooks, agendas, learning content, and so forth. But the key is to really have that meeting and bring everybody together. This process, even though it's like kind of commonsensical, what, get together every week and have a meeting, get together and do a 30-day sprint planning, get together and have a quarterly meeting, seems kind of obvious, but that process is what we found is what helps clients get really great results. Now, the next four pieces of the pie are things that Mike and I have been howling at the moon for the last 20 years, right? Strategy, tactics, campaigns, and technology. So we'll go through these rather quickly because these are things that we've discussed in previous episodes. Mike, you want to start with strategy? Yeah. So, you know, I, to Eric's point, you need all six of these to really drive revenue. And I think this is uncovering for us and a lot of people we've shared this with, why they've struggled with revenue all along is they might have one or two of them or even three or four of them, but they don't have all of them. And they all have to be working at the same time in the same way to drive the results you're expecting. So the strategy piece means you have to know who you're trying to attract. That's where the personas come in. Some people understand this is target market. You know, almost everybody we talk to has some idea of personas, but in a lot of cases, they're not complete. They're not built out enough. There's there's not enough detail to help drive a really solid uh, tactical or campaign execution around it. So um, we will work with uh, our clients uh, to build these out 
so that they are de deep and, and uh, detailed enough for us to drive the rest of the strategy piece of it. Um, when it comes to the big story, again, like a lot of B2B companies don't really recognize the fact that they need a big story for their companies. They feel like this is more of a B2C thing uh, and they couldn't be more wrong. Every company needs a big story. Every company needs a, a story that people can get connected with uh, that, that moves them emotionally, that gets them to want to learn more about your business. And again, in a lot of our experiences, uh, B2B companies specifically are missing this big story. And then from that big story, you need to be able to differentiate your business. You know, we talk about Seth Godin's Purple Cow frequently. If you haven't heard about the Purple Cow or read the book Purple Cow, I highly recommend it. It's a very quick and easy read that will really explain to you what it means to be differentiated. You know, Eric and I sometimes, you know, tease some of our clients about what they think differentiation is. And we ask them, they tell them their people are great. You know, they've been around for 50 years. They have, you know, more trucks than the other company. And that's not, that's not differentiation. So, you know, we typically use Seth's word of what makes you remarkable. And being remarkable means nobody else in your industry can say anything close to that. So, again, you really have to put some pen to paper and some energy behind what really does make your business a purple cow, and then use that in the following sections that we're going to talk about a little bit. And then finally, this is really the, the newest component that we've added to the strategy piece of it. It's the buyer's journey. People don't buy like they used to. Uh, you can't simply you know, throw a salesperson against a prospect and expect that prospect to buy when they don't really want to talk to a salesperson until they're you know 80% into their own buyer journey. So you have to understand your prospect's buyer journey. You have to map it out. You have to be able to apply the tactics and the campaigns and even the technology to the specific stages of the buyer journey. Now, without the buyer journey, it's today it's kind of like trying to get to your destination without a GPS. You know, I don't even know where I would go to get a map, but if I had a map, there's a very good chance the map's out of date. There's a very good chance I can't drive and look at the map at the same time. Even with a map, I'm probably gonna get lost at least once or twice. But you all know that that GPS, you plug it in, you listen to it, you get where you need to be, highly efficient, high, almost enjoyable uh, to use a GPS to get somewhere. And, and using a buyer's journey map is exactly like a GPS uh, from a revenue perspective. Great explanation, Mike. So now that you have your great story and you know who you're going to tell it to, now we need some tactics to deliver that story. Uh, traditionally, you uh, look to your website as the foundational piece of telling that story, but you need adjacent content. You need emails to go out in both a, a traditional and nurture sense. You have to have a great blog, a central content stream where you're showing your thought leadership. You have to post things on social media to connect in the places where your target markets are looking. You need strong SEO for people that are searching for a product or service like yours. Those are all the things you must attack next once you have that story. And because we're expecting leads to uh, be the result of uh, some of this storytelling, we need offers and forms and then uh, attached nurture campaigns. We have to identify the perfect MQL or marketing qualified lead and then figure out how to convert them to a sales qualified lead or SQL. And then those sales opportunities, they need their own experience as you interact with the um uh, target market so that uh, they are considering you the obvious choice to do business with. They sign their name on the dotted line and you have a new client. 
So it's important to then understand that you can't jump to the tactics unless you first have a really great strategy. And that's one of the mistakes lots of companies make. They do random acts of marketing and they don't understand why they're not getting good results. And it's typically because they're not stitched together with an incredibly uh, emotionally connecting strategy. Once you have those tactics, Mike, tell them how to do some campaigns. Yeah, so uh, the tactics are one thing, uh, but really those tactics need to be sewn together into a highly orchestrated, one-to-one personalized campaign. And there are a variety of different types of campaigns. So there's inbound campaigns, there's uh, demand generation campaigns, there's account-based marketing campaigns, there's outbound campaigns. So you know, one of the things we have to decide is which are the right kind of campaigns for this business at this time or this product or service at this time and, and, and the target market we're going after. And then they really have to be designed to do exactly what we talked about. How do we get this big story? How do we get this message out to these particular people using this set of tactics in a way that it, 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 it uh, connects with them and drives them to take action? So Again, you can't just run a single email and consider it a campaign. You can't just run a single paid ad campaign on a paid ad series on Instagram and consider it a campaign. People need to be touched in a variety of places at a variety of times with the same message and the same story and a series of offers that move them through their own buyer journey. It's a really complex exercise in designing this campaign. And again, to Eric's point, Usually what we see are random acts of marketing, which end up suffering from th- just a lack of this campaign approach. So you know, if you are going to do an inbound campaign, you need a killer website. You need amazing organic search engine optimization. You need really solid email marketing. You need a good set of backlinks and influencers and referral sites that are driving additional traffic to your website. You need a really solid set of conversion tools for each stage of the buyer journey to connect with people regardless of where they are. And then when those people do connect, you need to nurture them. So, you know, that's probably six to seven tactics alone for just an inbound, one single inbound campaign. And if you're running other different kinds of campaigns concurrently, which you might be, um, you may be running an inbound campaign for a a month or two. You need to uh, then adjust and run another campaign after that. You can see how uh, uh, challenging it might be if you've never thought about your marketing like this or you don't have the right people to run your marketing like this um, and run your campaigns like this, but uh, it's really how you have to go in 2023. Well done. So the fourth of the traditional pillars is technology. Mike, you're doing such a good job. Roll on with that HubSpot conversation. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. I just have to uh, take care of my partner, Baxter Lieberman, who is uh, obsessed with the FedEx guy. So um, <laughs> well, then, we're battening uh, down the hatches here, which will uh, tamp him down for a minute. And I can talk about technology. So uh, like I said, it's so complex what we're trying to accomplish now that without technology, you just are not going to be able to do it. it, it it's, it's, too many, it's too many moving parts. Yeah, how it really distracting is, is that? It's uh, you can barely hear it. It's uh, you know, look, 
you know, the moving parts is actually the thing. There's so many things you have to accomplish in a, a revenue generation system like this. If you don't have a technology backbone, then what you need to do is hire a lot of people. And they're super expensive and you have to manage them. With software now, specifically HubSpot, you can use that to scale and automate a lot of things so that not only do you have a smooth running system, but you can really drive down the expense as you scale. Once you've cracked the code on a uh, campaign that's working, then it's just a matter of scaling it, right? How do we throw a little gasoline on the fire and really make this thing blaze? Well, we don't want to hire more people to go one-to-one -one for each prospect. We do want to use some of our digital tools through a, a tool like HubSpot. And then also you need some adjacent and supporting technologies also, right? If you're the kind of company that has an 800 number that people call, let's capture that in the HubSpot software. So a, a tool like CallRail has to be installed and then that'll integrate with uh, HubSpot. So now you have all this once again uh, uh, with a technology basis and not a human basis. The other thing I would say about technology is when you're putting together, for example, a nurture campaign, you can design it so that the prospects hear exactly the way you want your story told and not depend on a bunch of salespeople that if you took 10 of them and you put each one in a different room, they probably each have a slightly different story. And that's where really, really controlling how the voice and tone of everything that you want comes through exactly the way you want it. So technology is a big thing. We're obviously a huge fan of the HubSpot technology. Yeah, just to add on to that, you know, we're talking about strategy, tactics, campaigns, you know, we're talking about a process that really centers people around uh, making uh, progress every single week. And there's an element of execution to that I don't think gets a lot of uh, light, and that is ongoing optimization. You know, for instance, you have a landing page and you get data on it for the first time about how it's doing. You, you're going to want to make some adjustment, adjustments to it. You, you don't want to simply say to your web guy, hey, I need you to make this small change to my landing page. When am I going to be able to get that? And, and, and she says to you, well, next Tuesday, you know, because they're involved in three other major projects for the company. Like, that's not going to work. And technology allows you to step in and make those small changes on your own today and see the performance improvements tomorrow and be able to report to the team at your regular uh, revenue team meeting, you know, what what changes you made and what improvements you saw so that everybody starts to learn what optimization adjustments need to be made and they can be made quickly. Tools like HubSpot allow you to change your website, change your emails, change the offers you're providing, change change um, the way sales is responding to opportunities, the way you're scoring opportunities and prioritizing them for the sales team. Uh, the way your customer service people are dealing with uh, questions that customers have and what kind of uh, additional services are getting presented to those customers. All those things can be um, optimized in a very short amount of time if you have the right technology backbone behind it. So if you just think about a few of those things that I rattled off the top of my head and, and multiply them over all the things that are impacting revenue over the course of the year, you should be able to see that the technology piece of this is just as important as all the other six pieces. And again, when we see uh, companies struggling, it's because they don't have the technology tools that they need to make some of the uh, adjustments that we just talked about. Great point, Mike. And to knock out the sixth piece of the pie, a lot of people don't have an open and honest conversation about resources. 
So when you're talking about that, you need some kind of coach or director, right? Who's the moderator of the weekly revenue team meeting? Who's responsible and accountable for hitting that number? You need that coach person in there to make sure that everything's moving forward. But then all companies have three options on how to skin this cat. You have an internal team, but often they don't have enough bandwidth or expertise to do everything that you need to do to get the results that you're looking for. So you lean on two other groups, agencies like Square Two or independent contractors. And what happens is the system has to account for all these people, the internal, the external people as well. And when you bring everybody together, there's no reason your independent contractor who's working on your copywriting cannot be included in your weekly revenue team meeting, right? They just are paid a different way and there's a slightly different relationship with your company. So rather than just have all this kept internally, bring in all those other folks. If you do have an agency that's helping you, make sure there's one representative from that agency in your weekly revenue team meeting so that everybody's working from the same playbook. Lots of times people don't consider the resources necessary in order to pull off a really great revenue generation program. And if they think about it a little bit more open-mindedly, then now they can start pulling in some people. Yes, your independent contractor might bill you for the 90 minutes that they have to sit on your meeting, but that uh, hourly fee is worth so much more to have that coordinated effort for the outside people uh, working in lockstep with your internal people. And that's where that conversation about resources becomes the sixth pillar. So when you look at all six pieces of the pie together, they all have to be working at a very high level to get the results that you're looking for. In fact, the goal is simply continuous improvement. And I offered you an Easter egg in the beginning of this episode, and here it is now. Square Two has a really, really powerful survey that we work with our clients that they can self-assess how they're doing in their current revenue generation efforts. What we do is we score their progress in all six of the areas that we talked about, take a snapshot of their score, and every 90 days take the uh, survey again to try to always have that number going up with the goal of continuous improvement. Nothing is ever going to be perfect, but our goal is to always be doing better than we're doing the uh, quarter before, and that's how we're getting continuous progress towards our revenue goals. So if you email me at eric at square2marketing.com, I'll send you the link to that survey. Play around with it. Have all the members of your current sales and marketing team take it. Get that assessment, and that'll give you an idea of where you are today and a little bit of where you have to go. Yeah, that was great. Um, let me just make a comment about the coach because I feel like we may have underplayed a little bit of the coach role. Um you know, the coach is not just moderating your meetings. Yeah, I used to do a lot of coaching. I have, I have two boys. I used to coach their sports teams in basketball and baseball pretty regularly. And, you know, my job as coach was to help them get better and give them tips based on my experience so that they could, you know, perform better in the games. And then we would practice those things that I was teaching them in the practices. So while I couldn't step up to the plate and hit the ball for them, I was able to tell them to, you know, watch the ball, hit the bat, hold the bat up higher. I was able to fix their stance for them and then give them guidance during the game and during the practices while they were working on the things that I, I, I told them they should be working on. The coach here is going to have a similar role. You know, they might say to you, well, based on my experience, you know, I think you're targeting too broad a group of people. Your message is going to be too generic to attract anybody here. So 
you know, why don't you guys go back and hone that, that, narrow that lane down a little bit, narrow that target audience so your message will really resonate with them. Like, that's a good example of something a coach might say. Might say, yeah, your email looks good, but it's a little long. You know, in my experience, people only spend, you know, 10 to 15 seconds reading an email. So we really want to get them to click on the link in the email, not read a really long email all the way to the bottom. So, you know, along the way, the coach is going to be sharing a lot of experiences that they've had um, helping other companies grow their revenue in all three areas, marketing, sales, and customer service. So you're getting uh, someone who has a lot of experience with a lot of different businesses doing the kinds of things that you're trying to accomplish, which I think also provides a nice overlay of education and insights that will help you get to your goals quicker than if you're trying to figure this out on your own. You know, one quick point about the coach, Mike, if you coach the uh, little buggers on the team and you gave them all the stance and the bad and all that, and they still weren't improving, you might want to go outside for a hitting instructor, right? Which would cost a little money for the family. But if you really want to make improvement, we got to bring in an expert in that area. And it's the same thing here. We talked about with resources, right? The coach can take you so far, but you might have to invest in an SEO specialist if you're not getting the natural traffic to your website. So once again, that's a really good uh, parallel in the coach versus the you know uh, chief marketing officer or chief revenue officer that's going to be driving this engagement. Yeah, that is a really good point. So that's a really nice overview of the six elements. So, you know, in the last couple of minutes here, while we uh, wrap up for the day, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, Eric, talk a little bit about how these six work together and why they have to work together and why you need all of them firing effectively in order to get to some of the revenue goals our, our uh, listeners might be uh, thinking about. Yeah, so... You know, like anything else, if I'm baking a pie and I leave out a few ingredients, uh, whoops, I'm either eating a piece of cardboard or something that's not fully baked. It's just not to our expectations. We're not getting the end result that we're looking for. So those six components mixed together make that bake uh, tasty cake that we're looking for. So number one, you don't want to leave any of them out. Number two, the two extra pillars that we've introduced in the revenue generation system are kind of outside of sales and marketing, right? The process in the systems and then the resource conversation about who's doing what are not the typical answer. So when you add those in, it gives you a wider uh, view of how you can make the four pillars, strategy, tactics, uh, campaigns, and technology stronger. So to use a very simple example, if I'm like, I'm buying HubSpot. I'm going to spend X amount of dollars a month and you don't set it up correctly and you don't turn on all the modules and you don't use it in the way that people use it regarding best practices. You're not going to get the full power. But if you have a weekly meeting and you're like, we're still having trouble with HubSpot, what should we do about that? To your point, Mike, it's not more than six or seven days that goes by where someone's actually diving into that issue, fixing it and going forward. Or it's the same thing with one of the basic four pillars, right? Yeah, we're not getting the results on our campaign. Yeah, our website isn't performing. You know what? Nobody's connecting with our story. Everything has to be mixed together in that stew to make a pretty tasty dinner. And that's why you can't leave any of those out. You have to dive in. Now, 
there's also a goal. Like we try to have our clients be 80% proficient in each one of those six pieces of the pie or greater to get the results they're looking for. And that's where that health survey comes in because it identifies, you know, we're still not good on our resources. We must find an outside contractor for this or we're not going to be able to get to the finish line. Well, if that's the case, okay, great. We now know exactly what our action plan is for the next seven days or 30 day sprint if that's uh, appropriate. And that's why all six of them working together. Finally, I'm going to use the orchestra example, right? So you can have a six-piece band, but if you get someone who just started playing the tuba and they don't know what they're doing, the other five could be performing at a very high level, but it still kind of sounds like crap. And that's why each one of those pies has to work to get pieces of the pie has to work together in unison to get at least 80% proficiency. Yeah, I think it's a you made a lot of good points and and primarily you know, we're so used to talking to businesses that are struggling to hit the revenue goals for a variety of reasons. And I don't think it's really until we started looking at looking at it this way that we were able to uncover um, four that we traditionally talked about and the two new ones and present it in a way that that helps people understand that all of these areas, you need to be highly proficient in all of these areas. And it's not easy. You know, even the regular meeting and the meeting rhythms might be challenging for companies, you know, getting leadership to agree on the strategy might be challenging for, for companies, getting a, a robust enough budget to move the needle based on your market might be challenging for these companies. So, you know, we're in no way telling you, oh, do these six things and, and, and you know, you're, you're going to blossom, but you can't have any of these missing. These are these are six core um components that every company is going to need and every company is going to have to work on. And I have a, a question from the audience related to this over the course of some period of time to get good at, at these things so that you can, you can hit your revenue goals. I mean, it's a journey. It's not the kind of thing you turn on and, and, and off you go. So yeah, in the last couple of minutes, Oh, wait, Mike, just like you're learning to play the guitar, right? You got to practice. And the weekly revenue team meeting is your practice, right? You're working at your revenue generation every single week and getting better, better, better. Depends on your team. Could take three months, could take six months, could take 12 months. But this is the, the, the roadmap we're giving you that if you work on these six areas, you will get better results. Right. I mean, I got a question here from Mark in Dallas, and it's directly related to timing. So maybe we could talk about this for a second. He wants to know how long do you think it would take for a system like RGS to start producing improved results like leads and new customers? Mm -hmm. So I kind of know what you're going to say, but why don't you try to answer Mark's question? Because I think it's a common one. Yeah. Sorry to be wishy-washy, Mark, but it depends, right? If you have a team that's really attacking all of their to-dos every week and really knocking off their initiatives and you know putting in that extra effort to learn about things that they're not provisioned, you could have it in just a couple of months. But I will say it's not going to take a couple of days. The key is, is that your team starts that weekly revenue team meeting and they start to get really good at it. And what you'll see is when they get really good at it, you start to speed up on the uh, uh, acquisition of uh, results. Now, sometimes you might be working on website traffic and then you get more conversions and then you get more sales opportunities and then you work on closing those deals. So all those things have to work together in harmony in order to get that consistent results. But honestly, if you set up your uh, weekly revenue team meeting and you attack what's our better story right away when you change your website and your salespeople start speaking differently, you'll get some better results. And when you enhance your email nurturing and your content, then you'll get slightly better results. And then you start one or two new campaigns, even more results. 
throw in a tool like HubSpot. Now it's fuel on the fire. And then finally, maybe bringing in some outside resources. Wow, we have another set of hands to help us get results. So you can see how they start to work together. If you're sluggish on executing that, then it's just going to take you more time. Yeah, it's a good answer. Uh, Peggy in Boston wants to know, is there a type of business size, industry, or stage like startup that you think would be a you think wouldn't be a good fit for something like this? Well, I think in the startup phase, if it's just a single CEO founder kind of thing, and maybe a couple of things, who's who's going to be at that revenue TBD, right? Just the owner by themselves. That's not exactly what we're talking about here. But if you have a couple of people in marketing and a couple of people in sales, and maybe one or two outside contractors or agencies that are helping you, you are perfect. And honestly, the bigger the company, the faster you can iterate because you already have some of the resources in place, the weekly revenue team meeting, the 30-day sprint planning, and the quarterly uh, planning all bring it together in a tighter framework. So I guess the bigger the company and more resources, the more you could grab onto it. But honestly, I mean, we're not that big of a company and we take the time to do all, all the things that we're showing you today and we're killing it. Yeah, Peggy, I, I think it's more of a psychographic, you know, like if, if someone's going into this thinking like, I don't think this is going to work, but I'll give it a try. I can pretty much guarantee it's not going to work. Um, I think if someone's like, yeah, I don't really believe in this marketing thing, but, you know, let's do that. Like the, the attitude's not there. You, you have to be in it to win it. You have to look at it like a marathon. This is a long-term solution to problems that the company has tried, been trying to address for years and years and years in many cases. So um, take an equally prioritized and important approach to it. And I think you'll, you'll generally have success. If you're going to go into it with a bad attitude or think this is something you do for a couple of months and then stop, I can pretty much tell you right now, don't, don't even start. You'd be better off just doing what you've been doing. Good blunt advice, Mike. Uh, last but not least, and then we'll wrap up for the day. Uh, this question comes from Stuart in Los Angeles. What have you seen as some of the biggest challenges associated with installing a system like this? And how do you suggest companies overcome those challenges? Well, I'll start by saying buy-in is one of the biggest challenges they have, right? Hey, we've been doing sales and marketing this way for years. Now we're going to change everything, have these um, additional meetings. The team has to be able to buy in. I remember way back when, when we implemented EOS, we have a pretty open-minded team and they were like, oh, you're telling us this is a way that we could be more efficient, better, work better as a team. They bought in right away and that was part of our success. Not all cultures of companies behave that way. So buy-in is one of the biggest things. The other one is a long-term view, right? We don't start playing the guitar and then the next week we're expecting that we're going to be jamming with the band, right? We have to actually practice at it and try new things and stretch ourselves a little bit. And I think that's another factor. So to your point, what you said earlier, Mike, psychographically uh, is probably more important than the blocking and tackling. Yeah, I agree. Great, great answer. Thanks. So let's wrap up. Uh... Appreciate everybody joining us for season two, episode two uh, next week. And, and again, I think this is very important to really understand these six pillars. We're going to focus just on process. And in fact, we have a show for each of these pillars so that we can really go deep with everybody so they can really understand, you know, all the nuances of, of what you have to do to get these six pieces firing in a really well um, and organized manner. So 
that's what season two, episode three is going to be. It's all about the process. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Just to remind everybody, you can check out the show on YouTube. The Square Two Marketing channel has all of the What's Wrong With Revenue channels from season one and all the new episodes for season two. Check it out there. Like it, subscribe to it, and uh, leave us your comments. Really appreciate it. Don't forget Eric's Easter egg, too. If you email him at eric at square2marketing.com, he will connect you with your six-minute health survey, and you'll get a really good idea of how your company is doing in these six areas. And then, obviously, we're available to talk to you about those results and help you do better in all six areas. Uh, if you're into podcasts, don't forget to check out the show on all your favorite podcast platforms. It'll be posted on Thursday. We post all new shows every Thursday morning. Uh, just like the streaming services drop their shows on a particular day, we drop our shows on Thursday morning. Uh, speaking of streaming services, go check out Square2 Plus at square2marketing.com backslash square2plus, where we have a free streaming service for all types of audio and video content for CMOs, CEOs, CROs, and anybody interested in HubSpot or just driving revenue. If you want to submit some questions like the ones we handled today, you can go to What's Wrong With Revenue. It's a link at the bottom of the Square 2 Marketing website. Click it. You can subscribe to the show. We'll email you the show on Thursdays, and you can submit questions like Mark and Peggy and Stuart did today. And finally, I think that's it, Eric. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch all you guys next episode. Thank you. Have a good one.